Hello and welcome. Welcome to Diverse Conversations. This is Ashka Patel. Thank you very much for joining me here today. And it is my great pleasure to continue on the series that we have been starting since the last year, which is speaking with Canadian pharmacy innovators. Today, it gives me great pleasure to introduce you to none other than Mary. Mary Adekoega is a dual licensed British trained pharmacist currently based in Ontario, Canada. Mary started her pharmacy career in 2013 after graduating from the University of Sunderland with a first-class honors master's degree in pharmacy. She embarked on her journey into clinical pharmacy by working in diverse clinical areas within NHS hospitals in the UK. Alongside her hospital experience, she continued to build on her retail pharmacy skills by taking on weekend relief shifts and making the most out of all of the opportunities that came her way. She worked as a pharmacist in the social enterprise field and gained some experience in the mental health field as well before leaving the UK. She relocated to Canada and completed her licensing journey in 2019, where she now works as a mental health pharmacist. Since her relocation to Canada, Mary has also founded a YouTube channel, which we'll be very uh, soon speaking to her about as well, along with her journey to becoming a social media influencer and maintaining her practice as a pharmacist in both the UK and Canada. So we have a lot to unpack today as we speak with Mary about her experiences in the UK and how she compares them here in Canada and also learning about her social media journey. So please join me in welcoming Mary to this conversation and I am super ecstatic in terms of what we're going to uncover today. Welcome, Mary. All right, so now we have Mary joining us. Mary, thank you very much for making time for me. I know this has been a while in the making, and I'm so, so grateful for your patience and, uh, and you know, getting making sure that we had this conversation. So first of all, welcome, and thank you so much for making this time to come on Diverse Conversations and sharing your journey, because I think we can all learn so much from you in terms of what you accomplished in a very short time frame. Thank you. Thank you so much. I really appreciate you bringing me on here and just being a part of your audience and your community. Um, and I have so much to learn from you as well, as, as I've already <laughs> mentioned a few times, and I'm looking forward to this conversation. Thank you, Mary. Thank you. So <laughs> with that, I always start this question off as this is my first question I always ask my guests is, you know, tell us about your journey. I know we, uh, you know, we have a little bit of a snapshot in terms of what you kind of had to go through to be where you are today would love to hear from you in terms of uh, what has been like for you to you know become the person and the pharmacist that you are today and the career path that you've taken for yourself okay so um, I'm a pharmacist <laughs> as yes. you all know. Um, I have always wanted to be a pharmacist actually so I started kind of thinking about pharmacy when I was in high school or secondary school you guys would call it I think yes yeah, secondary school so um, around the age of like eight or mm -hmm. So I was introduced to what pharmacy is because I have a few pharmacists in my family, oh. um, kind of extended um, family. And um, I then done, uh, I think you guys call it a co-op here, but we yes. call it like a, like a placement, work experience placement um, oh. whilst I was in school in a pharmacy. Um, and it was a community pharmacy. And I worked with um, this guy and he was just, he was so good because he wasn't just like giving medicines to people. He really like counseled them very well, gave lots of like detailed kind of points and stuff and after that I was like wow this is so cool um so from that moment I was like I, I want to be a pharmacist um so I went to pharmacy school obviously did kind of like in England we do a levels first then we go to pharmacy school mm -hmm. um and done that and worked really 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 hard had a few challenges along the way um but I was able to still graduate and get really good grades mm. um, and then went on to I guess work as um we do something called pre-registration year okay so you work for one year before you write your um final exam with the with the college so the general pharmacy council mm -hmm. um 
So before I actually finished pharmacy school, I knew that I wanted to be a hospital pharmacist. I knew that I wanted to work in a hospital. And then I also knew that I would want to work in another country at some point, but I didn't know where. I just knew that at some point in my journey, I wanted to do that. So mm-hmm. licensed in the UK, worked in the UK for many years, worked across different kind of sectors. I worked a bit in mental health. I worked in acute hospitals. I worked in community. I worked um, in social enterprise, which was like a very different environment. Um, and then I um, you know, started my process of relocating to Canada and doing my exam for that and yeah and here I am today <laughs> working um, in Canada as a hospital pharmacist um, and yeah really enjoying it so far um, again as I said I'm sure we'll talk about some of the different things yes. I've been through on the journey but yeah that's kind of a little background um, to, to me and how I got to where I am today. Thank you very much for sharing that, Mary. And I think uh, we may have found yet another similarity in terms of what we share, because I also, similar to you, did a um, high school um, Mm -hmm. co-op that got me into pharmacy. So this is kind of like so wild and weird at the same time. (laughs) (laughs) I guess it speaks to the passion we have for pharmacy as a profession. (laughs) Absolutely. Great minds think alike and And then I think I also would like to highlight that you're also a YouTube star, as I would like to call you, um, and a social media influencer because I have been a follower a follower of yours especially on your Instagram page love the way you engage with your audience and the the content you provide there as well uh, you know how did that happen in the in terms of uh, starting that journey and 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 you know being able to kind of manage that while also being a pharmacist and wearing that hat as well if you could speak to a little bit about that as well yeah so I guess with um YouTube and Instagram they both kind of started because um so in 2013 when I was in my final year of pharmacy school um something really major happened in my life and it caused me to really think about my health Mm. um at the time I was really overweight and just you know just not really making healthy choices Mm. so I decided to basically go on a weight loss journey and start an Instagram and a YouTube page just to share that journey that's kind of where my Instagram came from actually just like posting for kind of um accountability so I would go Mm -hmm. to the gym show what I'm eating and then when I started doing my pre-registration and writing my exams for my final kind of pharmacy Mm -hmm. licensing in the UK um I would share different snippets of like you know preparing for the exams and things like that um and yeah so it kind of grew from there now it wasn't very consistent especially the YouTube part I I wasn't very consistent on sharing there but when I was moving to Canada in 20 so I started my journey in about 2016 2017 Mm -hmm. um I, I was doing a lot of research trying to find other pharmacists that had moved from the UK to Canada and just like to hear their journey what did they do how did they prepare and I couldn't find like people I couldn't Mm. like people's stories were not there people were not sharing their experiences I would read articles here and there but nothing kind of like just to show me a day in your life what does it look like what are you doing what did you study you know how did you prepare um so when I did come to Canada and I passed the exams I decided that I was going to share that aspect for other people not just for people coming from the UK but people coming from any other country and 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 that's kind of where my journey in terms of social media, YouTube, Instagram, even LinkedIn is kind of going towards. Um, I think it's important. I want people to see I've merged that kind of like career and health together. So you still see a bit of my gym life and the things I eat, but you also see what it's like to be a pharmacist. And and I think my audience is a mix of people who are not just pharmacists or pharmacy students, but also people who want to know what pharmacists do, right? right? People who want to see what is it like to actually be a pharmacist? What what do they contribute to our to our, our community our society um 
so I think that's kind of where that passion has really grown for me because mm. I'm seeing more and more in our day and age that some people don't really know or understand what pharmacists do. There are people or kids who want to go to pharmacy school, but they don't know what options are available for them. So I use those channels and those mediums to share my life, what I do, you know, sometimes and, and also just be be transparent. You know, mm-hmm. some days I love being a hospital pharmacist. Other days I'm like, I really want to go into this. And this sounds interesting so I guess that's kind of where it is and 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 now I'm just learning to be consistent you know to be transformative so my journey is going to change over time you'll see me share different things I might share a little motivation from something different that I think is is interesting so yeah and I like it to be fun as well pharmacists or doctors nurses we're not boring people you know we we love to have fun as well so I use those platforms to also share some of the fun things in my life as well Absolutely. And I can, I can, I can uh, absolutely ascertain to that, that your content is fun. Because uh, I enjoy it. Like every time, like, you know, I see an update, I'm like, yep, this is married. And I, I know this is going to be a fun story. So I, I can ascertain that 100%. But obviously, like, you know, it, it's amazing how what started off as a personal accountability, and, um, you know, to kind of see that growth into what it is today. Um, I commend you for that. Because, um, you know, I agree with you, there's a not, there's not a lot of resources, like, you know, very easily accessible uh, when it comes to navigating those very unique pathways that, uh, mm-hmm. you know, people who may be transferring their licensing or whatever it is that they may be. And obviously, I think pharmacy profession, at least if I can speak from my experience in Canada, has just very recently taken on to the social media role. Yes. Uh, you know, like we were not, I think it's a pandemic that really pushed us to kind yeah, of explore absolutely. this creativity. Yeah. Um, before that, we did not have as many, at least to my knowledge, um, that many, um, you know, social yeah. media pharmacy influencers, if I can say yeah. that. Um, yeah. I may have missed it, but I don't know. <laughs> like, again, it's like, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. So <laughs> yeah. I agree. I think it's definitely becoming more and more yes. like, out there. And I think actually it's important because mm-hmm. this is something that we talk about at my current organization where I work. You know, social media is becoming a place where people find a lot of their information. Yes. And there are people who would rather, you know, if I'm even like if you're feeling ill or something, mm-hmm. some people go to TikTok or Instagram for answers or wow. that, you know you have those Facebook mom groups remember when COVID was a thing everybody was going to these like groups and and I always say to you know my colleagues the doctors and psychiatrists I work with and I say I feel like our organization should actually make social media a very big part because you know if me as a pharmacist I know that you know if you anybody who follows me you see my bio I, I don't give personal information it's yes. my personal you know I don't give perfect like pharmacy advice to individuals but what I'm saying is that at least you know this is a licensed individual and every licensed pharmacist every licensed doctor and nurse we know that we are bound by a code of ethics we know that we are bound by regulations by our college that allow us to stay in our scope of practice and not share misleading information on social media absolutely at least you can trust that individual and I think that I guess some another thing is pharmacists are probably maybe in the previous years are scared to use social media because you don't know if someone from your college is watching or you don't know if like you know you're going to see one of your patients and all this stuff and and I get that you know I I have people who follow me that I don't feel comfortable with them following me and I block mm. them like I, I just block them I, and it's not because I don't want you to be my friend but you know again I don't have that level of you know trust yet with them right. if that makes sense so you do have that option but I do think so you know the world we are in social media is becoming digital yes digital health anything digital is winning in this absolutely. day absolutely and if we don't stay relevant you know we are going to just be put on the back back you know back 
bored and we don't want that I want to be a pharmacist that is relevant Mm -hmm. and in order for me to be relevant I think I should have a social media presence you know you don't have to you don't have to I mean you know some people create businesses and they are not the face of the business you can still you know have a social media presence and just kind of like build an audience from there and, mm-hmm. and help your community so yeah I think it's definitely something that's become more it's growing it's it's a growing space absolutely absolutely and and you know thank you very much for sharing that because I also see social media as a way of you know hopefully destigmatizing a lot of taboo topics um especially in healthcare and in the area of mental health i i see these dedicated groups as hopefully a safe space that people can open up and and share uh whatever it is that they wish to share um but obviously on the other side the flip side of the coin is always you know uh, that there's people who can potentially take advantage or misguide or miss um you know provide misinformation so yes. when it have when it when you, as you rightly mentioned it's like if there's a, a licensed professional that you know you can trust it mm-hmm. definitely also helps the patient be comfortable with the information that's being provided and at the same time you're representing our profession right um i i feel like this is one way of uh one way for us to raise awareness in terms of what we bring to the table for our patients our healthcare system overall you you spoke to some challenges that you may have experienced with you know people who are following you you may not be comfortable with any other challenges you faced along the way in in terms of creating the journey so far in in creating a digital presence of yours i think um there's a lot of different things that come up you know you have I've had followers who would dm me and you know I might have an opinion on something and they'll kind of come and say something different or people who just say mean things horrible things um you know I know a lot of people try to protect like you know where they work and all that Mm. kind of stuff from social media because you just don't know and the other thing I think you have to be I guess be careful with and I try to be careful with is just what I put out there Mm. um so before, a few years ago, I used to kind of like be a very spontaneous poster. So right. in the sense that I would maybe be somewhere or be doing something and I'll post it. And and now I'm learning more and more to take my time before mm. posting certain things. Again, I want it to be fun. So I'm, I'm trying to also not be too careful because that takes the fun out of it. Yes. Um, but there are times where I, I reach out to some of my friends and I'm like, what do you think about what I posted? Is that, you know, is that, is that okay? Because yeah, you are still a professional individual, even though you're not at work. I always say this to, um, you know, my other like professional friends, you know, whether you are a, a, a nurse, a pharmacist, mm-hmm. a doctor, if you're in public, if you're not at work, you are still representing your profession. Yes. Um, I say this a lot to my family members, if we're driving or we're doing anything in a restaurant, we can't be like acting crazy because we are professionals you know, you are a doctor, you're an engineer, I'm a pharmacist, we are still representing our, we are the face of our profession. So it's the same with social media. So I try to be careful. um, But again, it doesn't come without its challenges. You know, there there will be people who say, oh, why did you post that? Or why did you share that? Or you shouldn't have, you know, put that up or Mm -hmm. whatever. So I just try to be careful. But also remember that you're not going to a piece to everybody um, and that's okay Um, and I always say once in a while I put up if you don't like what I share please unfollow me it's fine Um, and I try to be you know like for example my my managers and stuff they know that I have a social media presence they see Mm. um, so there's nothing kind of unusual nobody can be like oh by the way your so-and-so employee is posting this because my manager knows she follows my YouTube she sees what I do so um so there's that as well so just making sure that the people who sometimes the, the the society or the public might try and like report you to so-and-so mm-hmm. body but um most people already know what I do so um at the end of the day that helps with the challenges but yeah there, there are so many different things bullying 
or just people coming and like you know saying mean things about what you share or not agreeing with maybe recommendations that you make and that's fine it's okay Mm -hmm. you just have to learn to be okay with that and yeah. Agreed. Thank you very much for sharing that and being so transparent with it, because I know oftentimes a lot of people think that, oh, you know, once you are once you have a good enough following and all of that, that life is all rosy glory. It's not. It's no. if anything opposite of but yeah. anything but rosy. Right. And and yeah. and thank you for, for being so transparent and, and open about it, because, um, you know, that's what we are hoping these conversations will help is if there's any other pharmacist out there who's considering to follow the footsteps that you have traveled, mm-hmm. uh, you know, to know that this is what they may be potentially facing and to be kind of ready for it um and I think from the way you presented your side you know you you did your due diligence you dotted your i's and crossed your t's to make sure that um, all the stakeholders in your professional career your personal career like your personal life were all involved and were willing to support you right um and, and I think that's critical um especially that transparency with your employer if you are not self-employed is very important to make sure that you're not in a way misrepresenting the organization that you work yes. with right absolutely yeah but speaking of which there's always opportunities and challenges right so uh we spoke about the challenges now I want to hear about the opportunities I know you have done some great work in terms of you know bringing awareness to what it is like to be a duly licensed pharmacist and I love that content to be honest because (laughs) I have no idea what it's like to practice in the UK as a pharmacist um from everything that I've heard from you so far it sounds like a very glorious way of practicing pharmacy and I'd love to be there (laughs) instead of here um but you know what are some other opportunities uh you see for pharmacists uh, that they can kind of tap into their expertise and and you know how can they uh what what like I guess it's just like on the social media part like how can Mm -hmm. they engage and connect with their audience and and what are some opportunities you see there for them yeah I think I'm I'm a very I'm very big on just like pushing yourself out of your comfort zone I speak on this a lot and Mm -hmm. it's not just within pharmacy but also just in general life and I think that um you know being licensed in two countries is definitely something that is out of my comfort it's out of anybody's comfort zone because you have to do exams you have to learn a new process and things like that just depending on where you are Mm -hmm. I think every single pharmacist should explore different things along their career we go through such a rigorous kind of like educational journey and at the end of it you know we're rewarded with work (laughs) work. and I think (laughs) one of the things that you should do for yourself is explore what else there is out there mm. um, and I said this you know to you and a couple of other people I say it to all the time I love when I see pharmacists who are doing different things yes. not because I want every pharmacist to leave conventional pharmacy no I think there are pharmacists who really love hospital and they're going to stay there there are pharmacists who really love retail and they will stay there but I believe that there are also pharmacists who belong mm. in the midst of consulting agencies I believe that a pharmacist, there are pharmacists that belong working at Deloitte. I believe right. there are pharmacists that belong working at Health Canada or yes. working at MHRA, which is like the equivalent in, in, in Europe, in the UK. Mm. So I think that, um, as you said, you mentioned something earlier, like it helps to show everyone else what we bring to the table. Yes. And I think our degree prepares us not just to stand in a pharmacy store or to stand on a board with, you know, doctors making recommendations, but also actually prepares us for other things, whether that be manufacturing, whether that be consulting, or whether that be, you know, making decisions, you know, in in like 
you know, a different mm. kind of agency. I think that um, that's one of the things that pushed me to want to, you know, be licensed in both countries because, it, you know, I always share and I, and I think I, I'm still very biased because I've only been in Canada for two years. So I still have a lot to learn about, you know, practice in Canada and all that kind of stuff. And and I think I'm sure, you know, people who see my LinkedIn posts or whatever, they see that I do have this mindset that Canada has a lot of growth and way to go in mm. terms of just like getting to the place that, Europe might be at and I think that it's a great it's a great place for pharmacists to be you know right. because I want to be part of that change and if you're somebody who really wants to see change and be a part of like pushing for change then being in a country like Canada or other countries who may not be on the same level as the country you have may have trained in mm-hmm. it's it's a great place for you to be because it gives you that opportunity to actually contribute yes. um so it's it's tough you know trying to because I always think when I go back to England I do want to like do like one shift and maybe work and see what it's like just to keep up my you know my knowledge and you have to do a lot of reading around different things I try to make sure that I'm connected to different organizations so I can receive emails about updates in the UK as well because you know I I I, am licensed there so I have Mm -hmm. to make sure that I'm still up to date with my knowledge um but it's uncomfortable sometimes but it's it's it pushes me beyond that barrier and I think all pharmacists should do that um I think it's very very important for growth and personal development um so some of the things I do as I said I just I just I do my CPDs so continuous what does it stand for continuous professional development (laughs) yeah so it's funny enough I was actually doing that on Thursday and Friday um both I do I do them for the GPHC which is a UK body and then OCP the wow in Canada so I do them both and I basically just um most times I just do the same one and just like make sure right. it's on the yeah um so I try to make sure I'm up to date with that mm. because at any time either colleges can call you for your CPDs and say oh right. where is your CPD so um I always do that I actually have a note on my phone where if I learn something new I type it down and I'm like I'm gonna add this to my CPD so those are some of the things that I do to make sure that I'm keeping up to date with both um but but again as I said I'm always looking for opportunities to grow and to push myself and I think pharmacists should all do that that's very important you have to stay relevant because as we said at the beginning of this video times are changing so we yes. have to make sure we stay relevant and up to date otherwise we're just gonna go out of day essentially absolutely absolutely and thank you very much for you know wow that was a very comprehensive response for sure and (laughs) and in in the sense that like you know you captured a lot of different areas um you know like there's this need to uh like our identities are evolving as you rightly mentioned you know we are uh it's the way pharmacists are being seen i mean just recently we we heard ontario pharmacists will be doing minor ailments starting january 1st right so Bravo, what a moment. Uh, we have yeah. been waiting for this for 10 years. It's finally oh. coming. Um, yeah. And I know pharmacists in the UK are already prescribing almost to a full scope, like it's an yeah. unrescripted scope. Perfect. Okay, yeah, so there, it's an unrestricted scope of practice where you can just yeah. prescribe. Um, and, and so obviously we have a ways to go until we, we reach there. But yeah. having um, somebody like you, you know, who brings that experience in, in terms of seeing that profession evolve into that um, to now to this new country, which we are still, you know, in the beginning stages of it, I think provides that great input that we would need to kind of mm-hmm. say, hey, this is what, you know, these are the challenges that we are facing in the UK. Now that we are designing this new future for ourselves, 
this is what you should think about right and I think yeah. obviously this is where I'll be relying on your input in terms of Mary what do you think you know like you know yeah. what should we be keeping in mind so yes. that we don't run into the same issues that the UK is yeah. running yeah. into yeah. Um, and, and and you know this is where I feel like you know so I'm hoping that through this we will be able to pro- provide that outreach for you and if anybody is interested please feel free to reach out to Mary because I'm yes. sure <laughs> um, you know her perspective on things would be very different than um, yeah. what somebody like myself would who has uh, been educated and trained here in Canada uh, with not necessarily that big of an international exposure uh, would be able to provide. So thank you very much for sharing that, Mary. I appreciate it. Yeah, I think it's definitely something, just thinking of it in other aspects as well. Like, you know, there are different things that you have learned whilst mm-hmm. working and practicing and, and um, training in Canada um, that you can bring to other organizations. Not, yes. It doesn't have to be international, but it could be other organizations within the same country. Mm-hmm. And I think that, as I, as I was saying, you know, anybody who's coming from a different country into Canada just look at the things that is being done in Canada. It doesn't have to be just within pharmacy, just healthcare right. in general. And, and you know, look at your previous experiences and what have you done in the past that maybe speaks to what they're trying to do and yes. how can you contribute? And I think all of those things help us to learn the skills that we have and build on those skills. Um, so I think it's important to do that review for yourself every so often. I don't think it's just internationally trained pharmacists that can bring change. You know, there are pharmacists in Canada who, there are things in Canada that are being done or systems and and things that are being done in a certain way that it's not done in Europe. Europe is not, again, as I said, I, I know I am biased because I'm from there, but I think that there are things that Europe can learn from Canada. There are things yes. that Europe can learn from the, from the States and Canada can learn from the States and vice versa. So I think it's just being able to find a gap and mm. actually like contributing positively to that change. That's Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I agree with you 100%. Um, I think it's bringing all the strengths that you can find, right? Um, and I think the more there is in terms of difference of opinions, the better, because uh, that's where you get a newer perspective formed. Um, mm-hmm. If it's the same wheel that you're trying to reinvent again and again, it's always going to be round. Uh, it's mm-hmm. not really going to change. <laughs> yeah, And that's one, one thing I speak on a lot, especially with um, employers. Yes. And, I, and I think, you know, if, if there are any employers watching, I really, really, really hope that we can go into, um, you know, kind of the, the years to come just thinking in that way when we're apl- employing people mm. I don't think it's beneficial to have a, you know an employee set of the same people the same pathway the same journey because think of it like as a business if you're a business right. owner you want somebody who's able to see from a different lens mm-hmm. and a different perspective because that's what's going to make my business grow exactly I don't need I don't and, and not saying that I'm going to discriminate against specific people, but I don't need, if I have four people, I don't want all of you to be, have the same professional background. Fair. It would be nice to have someone who knows something different, able to bring, and you can all contribute something. And that's really what causes and allows for growth. Um, and I, and I, and I'm, again, it's something that I'm hoping can happen, in, you know, in Canada with just employ, especially pharmacy employers, they can just kind of be more open to, mm-hmm bringing in people from different areas and not just pharmacy employees actually even employees in the consulting world and just look at pharmacists not just oh as the medication counter but you know pharmacists we we do so many different things we have mathematical knowledge we have research knowledge you know critical analysis so many different things we bring to the table and I and I'm hoping employers can see beyond just oh she has a pharmacy degree exactly (laughs) and, and bring people on board 
<laughs> I agree. Thank you very much for for that message because I I, I resonate with that so much. Um, you know, it was not too long ago where I was trying to find out my own professional identity in terms of what did I really see myself becoming and and you know was wasn't too far in the in the past uh, where I knew the struggles of you know kind of trying to break that stereotype or trying to convince people otherwise right and mm-hmm. and um it, I mean for me it was I guess one thing led to the next and it all worked out better it always does I think for all of us um yes. we just have to keep at it and pursuing it mm-hmm. um but while we're speaking of um this whole topic of internationally trained versus Canadian and all of that I would love to also kind of hear a little bit about your journey in, in terms of, you know, what was it like to becoming licensed here in Canada and, and practicing pharmacy uh, in particular here in Canada? And, and, you know, just how do you see that as a um, licensed pharmacist? I think it's been a very rocky journey, <laughs> much more rocky than I thought it was going to be. There's so many differences. Um, right. I think I came into Canada expecting it to be very similar to the UK. Mm. So I never really came with an open mind. To be honest, if I'm being completely honest, right. I came with the mindset of, oh, it's just Canada. It's just another, it's another, like, you know, third world, not third world, sorry. Commonwealth. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> it's another like, you know, advanced country. So everything is fine it's going to be okay it's just going to be like oh you know I wake up the next day and it's just the same as being in England but there's so many things to learn there's so much to grow into things are very different um I think I've faced so many different challenges if I'm being completely honest absolutely I've faced challenges in terms of you know being able to get a job because I didn't have Canadian experience when I first came I remember working shifts that was so the pay was so bad but mm. I would still take it because nobody wanted to give me a job because I didn't have a Canadian degree you know I, I didn't have Canadian experience even though I had worked in the UK for six years I've worked senior roles I had so much experience and I feel like I felt coming to this country they would take on the fact that oh she's worked here she's like mm-hmm. I thought I would be sought after um, in a way that people would want me to work for them but I really struggled in my first year to be honest like just securing a role even when I did secure a role I would stay at jobs that I really didn't like because mm. I was kind of scared about what the next step would be um there were so many uncertainties and so many different things that you're kind of you know and, and just couple that with being in a new country and right. trying to learn the ropes and COVID hit as well so obviously yes. that was like a triple kind of a triple situation going on um so it was really tough um and and to be honest I do know that there are a lot of people who are open to international um mm-hmm. people coming in the country but I feel like in the in in the in the healthcare space I can only speak to pharmacy right. maybe a bit to medicine because I, I do know a few doctors it's really a struggle if you are internationally trained um and it's funny because I thought oh I'm British trained so mm. it's fun. You know, you would think that I know there's a uh, there's already a lot of discrimination around where, which country you come from. Um, I know that they, you know, there are some people, organizations that might discriminate ag- against people who come from other countries. But right. I thought I'm from the UK. Surely they must, you know, want me to work for them. Um, but it was really tough. It was wow. really tough. Um, even with getting into hospital, there's this whole thing about you don't have a residency. Yes. We actually do a foundation. Every pharmacist that works in hospital, you have to do a band six foundation pharmacy year. Oh. And sometimes it's it's a year, sometimes it's two years. And within that time, you have to do a postgraduate clinical certificate or diploma program. So okay. we actually have to do post postgraduate education um and that's equivalent to a residency because it's mm. kind of the same thing you're doing you know courses all that kind of stuff projects um so yeah I was kind of 
disappointed to see that that was what it was like. So it was tough. It was really tough. But um, gradually, as time went on, I kind of was able to pick up, you know, employment. And um, there are different things, other things I faced. People told me to change. Obviously, my last name is Adeboyega, right? So it's quite a long last name. And I remember being told by somebody that I should change my last name, take it off, and actually put my middle name. So on my resume, even till today, it says Mary Ore. Because he said that if employers in Canada see Adeboyega, they're going to think that I can't speak English and they don't want to employ me because my last name is foreign. And I was just like, I've never been told that before. Nobody's ever said that to me. Right. Um, And it was just like, wow. And at the time, I didn't think of it as anything and I did change it. And and as I said, till today, you can look up my resume on Indeed. It's it's very aura because I haven't changed it back. But it, it was just sad that that's kind of what you need Mm -hmm. um so yeah lots of different challenges (laughs) absolutely and i'm first of all i'm I'm sincerely apologetic because that should not have any experience um that you should have had to experience um um you know and i'm sorry to hear that uh that was an advice that was given to you because uh i don't that's your part of your identity and nobody like you know you should never have to compromise on who you are um and the core of you to you know kind of land a job i don't think it's ever fair for anyone to be placed ever placed even in that you know conundrum of trying to even make a decision of that nature but i guess i'm just trying to understand is you know, and I, I know, like, there are struggles being an international graduate, especially like, and again, I can only speak to pharmacy because I'm not very familiar with the other medical fields. Yeah. But from what I have heard from internationally trained pharmacists is there is a struggle in, in terms of, um, you know, the Canadian experience being one of them. Um, yeah. And then the second one, um, especially for, you know, pharmacists who wish for more clinical practice in a hospital setting, yes. I have heard that it becomes even more challenging. And I know it's a challenge already for even for Canadian trained pharmacists to yeah. get their foot into the hospital. And, and one, I think it's just the volume, but two, I like I don't know where that challenge lies to be honest and, and I think it's more of trying to have those skilled professionals but I it's also kind of then undermining our training entirely right like it's like if you or if you're trying to put such a hard block on what a pharmacist capable of hospital pharmacy is then and then maybe there's more training or more uh, the different career pathway that may be required yeah. Um, but I guess it's like not you know this is a lot for me I'm, I'm trying to take this in and I'm like how can I how can we fix this because that's like the yeah. first thing that I want like you know that and I think we should always talk of solutions when we're speaking of challenges because that's one way and I'm hoping this platform whoever listens to it hopefully it's people who are in authority to make some of these changes mm-hmm. um, if they can get some feedback from you in terms of you know how can you think the profession can better welcome internationally trained graduates but yeah. also accommodate them based on the ex- extensive experience they sometimes they, they bring that like you know with them um how how do you see that I think um <clears throat> to be honest I think it's gonna come with when pharmacy starts to change yes. so I think when pharmacists are given more scope of practice mm-hmm. and given more opportunities to do more things then hospitals are gonna they're gonna need to bring other people on board because because it's gonna be like if you have um an organization that's full of everybody went to the UFT, right? They all have the same experience or whatever. But now pharmacists are allowed to do different things. Yep. Like for example, we're doing minor ailments now. Imagine now <clears throat> pharmacists are allowed to maybe lead warfarin clinics 
yes. for example, let's say that's a thing. But you have a whole employee cohort that are all from the same uni who didn't, they have no idea. But then you've got these other people who have worked in another country and they've done it before. You're going to be forced to bring those people on board. Absolutely. If you want to see, if you want to be able to execute properly, it's going to take time to train the people you already have to get to that point. So I think that, I mean, there's so many different things that I have in mind. It starts from, you know, even the training that international pharmacists have to do when they come. We have to do PBC exams. We have to do some form of like internship and stuff Mm -hmm. like that. So the change really starts from there. But I think Mm. that it will be a forced change. There'll be more forced change once pharmacy itself starts to change. Right. Um, Because, you know, you're going to you're going to want to broaden your your, you know, the different types of employees, Mm. right? So so employers will have to be forced to bring on other people. I think that there are so many different, it's very, it's very subtle. If you look at the percentage of, um, it's nationally trained pharmacists that actually pass the PVC exam, it's very low. Yes. Um, And I think it's because the exams are probably set in a way for Canadian graduates to, um, to qualify, to kind of pass it i'm not saying easily but it's it's kind of easier for them because they, they've spent their years exactly preparing for that exam do you know what I mean? exactly same with england as well with the gphd exams you know we spend most of our four years at uni preparing for that big exam um so i get it but as you said i think then the system needs to be more accommodating especially because canada is a big immigration country yes um, and and looking at the reports you know from ILCC immigration and refugees Canada they want to bring more people in so yes every single sector and body they're going to have to make adjustments to accommodate mm-hmm. those people because I'm sure you've heard the reports in the news there are so many internationally trained doctors and you know architects whatever who are yes. in the country but they can't actually work because it's like the processes are are so already subtly discriminative towards them it doesn't accommodate them right so so i think it's it's just a wake-up call for every sector not just healthcare or pharmacy Mm. or whatever but every sector to move with the pace that the country itself is moving right if they want more international people to come into the country you will get more internationally trained pharmacists so you have to accommodate them you have to create a space for that you have to prepare other professionals in the country including employers and people who are going to give these people jobs, prepare them that you know, they have to accommodate these people. Mm-hmm. The we accommodate people who have <clears throat> learning disabilities and, and issues like that. We accommodate them in the workspace. We should do right. the same for internationally trained individuals, especially in a country like Canada. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you for sh- uh, shining light on that, because I agree with you. I think um, if anything, we're going to have a huge influx of immigrants, at least for the next two to three years. And mm-hmm. also, let's not forget, we are in dire need of healthcare staff. Yes. Um, the healthcare system's crumbling right now because we are not like, you know, there is massive exodus happening. Um, and at the same time, there is this bottleneck effect where now there's not enough people who are licensed to practice mm-hmm. within that profession, like be it nursing, physicians, pharmacists. I mean, for pharmacy, there's like massive massive need for pharmacists all over that I can that I know of um and and you know I I think I agree with you I feel like we we and and I'm hoping that these kind of open conversations will ignite that dialogue right Mm -hmm. and and I feel like we haven't necessarily talked about this out loud um Mm -hmm. you know where hope where somebody can take that and and see how can they make a difference out of it um you know I commend the college for putting in some measures during the pandemic to help you know some people kind of 
who were at the cusp of getting that licensure yes. to kind of make that jump, right? So that they could be yeah. part of the profession. But, you know, that's only sustainable for so long. We need more better systems in place. And and I'm hoping that these kind of open dialogues and continuous dialogues will hopefully lead to some change. One thing, and this is my observation, and I could be wrong, but one thing that I know is, you know, I know you're very, very, very passionately involved in advocating for pharmacists, advocating for, you know, just what you have gone through and how can you alleviate their, that for others. But yeah. I know a lot of pharmacists, internationally trained especially, who are not even part of associations or not even part of like groups and they're not speaking up. And if you don't speak up, it's like, how do you expect change to happen if you don't, if, one, you need to acknowledge this change for that to even like, you know, start having some conversation. Conversations. And if you're not doing that, then really, you're just, you know, not really helping yourself or somebody else after you as well. Yeah. Right. So yeah. thank you for for being so vocal about it. And I appreciate your transparency on this, because I know it's not easy to talk about this. I know that. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I really do appreciate this. And I'm hoping that this conversation will lead to some, you know, concrete steps that we can take in that direction, yeah. which yeah. will hopefully make it easier for our profession to come together. Um, and, I, yeah. and, you know, I, I, the last thing I would want is, you know, that a profession stands divided between Canadian trained and internationally trained because yes, you don't want that. <laughs> no, no. And I think, as you said, there, are, I, I think um, it's something that I'm super, super passionate yes. about, especially um, wanting to see more organizations do more things. Um, <laughs> I could speak for days. <laughs> and I, I know that you know this already. I could speak for days on this. I think that organizations should... They, I mean, they are the first kind of people who bring that, I don't know, they they they, they stand for pharmacists or they yes. stand for doctors or whatever it is, any organization, you know, associations and bodies like, like such should really be putting on different things that allow for there mm. to be that mix, allow for there to be that kind of like collaboration and, you know, learning from each other and, you know, um, and, and that helps, as you said, um, People who are internationally trained, I've met a lot of pharmacists who come into the country and they're they're isolated. They are not like me in the sense that I will speak up. I don't care who, if I have zero friends, you will see my posts on LinkedIn. You will see me sharing on Instagram because that's my, that's my personality. But there are some people who don't have that personality. So they stay isolated. They kind of stay in their bubble. And, 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 and I think it's really sad because a lot of these people do have a lot of potential, but yes. because they just don't know who to talk to, where to find information, who to network with, they just don't know. So they stay in a bubble, they maybe work a job they don't enjoy, and they just continue as it is. They mm-hmm. might have ideas in their mind, but they don't bring it forward. Um, and I think that having an associations and bodies who are able to help to really pull that out of people mm-hmm. is something that is needed, you know, in the years going forward, you know, as we see more and more internationally um, trained individuals kind of come into the country fair enough and thank you very much and if I may ask um, you know how how is uh, the landscape in the UK when it comes to internationally trained pharmacists in like you know trying to integrate into the the UK pharmacy landscape yeah so um for you internationally trained pharmacists um, they come into the UK and they do what they call an OSPAP so OSPAP is overseas something the S Mm -hmm. I don't know what S stands for but they do a year at, at a university so in that year, most of them actually, so when I was in fourth year of pharmacy school, a lot of them joined some of our classes. So you actually mm. already get to mix even before. So they do the OSPAP year, which is generally one year, unless it's changed now. Um, and after that one year, they then do the pre-registration, which we do. Mm-hmm. So it's almost like they come in at the fourth year, they do that kind of like one year, they learn, they see the same things that we we see, right? 
in that time they're able to make friends with other people yes. they're able to like build networks and things like that then they do their pre-reg year which we all have to do right okay? you have to do a pre-reg year um uh, whether you're trained in the UK or you're not you do the pre-reg year in that pre-reg year you meet potential employers and and then you start your career journey just as every other pharmacist does mm. in Ontario as an internationally trained pharmacist I had to do PBC exams um first of all I do an evaluating exam to evaluate yes. whether my degree is the same as the Canadian degree which I think that's another story I will not comment <laughs> on that but we have to do an evaluating exam and then we do the exam that every Canadian graduate yes. does and then after that we have to do like a jurisprudence based mm -hmm. on wherever you are so I done mine with the College of Pharmacy in Ontario um but then you do a four-week um uh placement internship yes or which... placement <laughs> I don't think four weeks is enough, mm -hmm. to be honest. Because in that four weeks, you're not actually even training. You're supposed to walk in as you, a trained pharmacist. So technically, you're not supposed to really ask questions. You're supposed to mm. be, you're being shadowed, essentially. Like, you're you're being watched by your pre preceptor. And, you know, they're trying to see if you're comfortable working. I, I think that's a lot to mm -hmm. go into. As, thinking about myself, I didn't, some, some internationally trained pharmacists are already living in Canada. Maybe they got some work experience and stuff. Mm -hmm. I didn't. So I, I literally, that, that four weeks was the first time I worked in a Canadian pharmacy. Wow. So that's, that's a lot to be thrown into. <clears throat> so I don't think it's, like I said, even from the beginning, there's, it's already challenges. It's hard. Imagine somebody who, I speak English, I'm from England. So, you know, my English yes. is very clear. Imagine someone who's coming from another country. English is not their first language. They're already struggling with communication, you know, mm -hmm. and that's kind of a basic foundation in pharmacy. And right. then I have to now do this four weeks and be watched and then told whether I've passed or failed from mm. that, you know. So I think essentially, you know, it, it's, I'm not saying it's perfect in the UK for internationally trained pharmacists, but I think that, as you can see, they already, they get integrated right from the kind of the, that final year. It yes. already gives them the chance to mingle with other people who are still students. You get to meet other UK students and stuff, you know? Mm -hmm. um, so I think it makes it easier for them in most cases. It, you know, Absolutely. Thinking of it, it would make it easier for me. But but I think, as I said, a lot of these things start from the very beginning and, the, and there's, there's so much work that can be done to kind of fine-tune that system to allow for that integration and, and the kind of being more welcome and accommodating to internationally trained. Absolutely. And thank you very much for sharing that because I agree with you. Like, you know, I, I definitely see that as a great shining uh, hope <laughs> uh, because, yeah. you know, when you, when you do it that way, because right now the way the, at least here in Ontario, I know international graduates would go through a different stream of program um, if they have to do like that one year at UFT or something like that. But it's a very, it's only for IPGs. It's not like, you know, you're you're working with other students or anything like that. And I can see how that can already be a very divisive thing, right? Or just, And even that uh, program is just for if you fail. So yeah, if that's you correct. fail the exam for the first time, you have to do that one year program, which yes. is really expensive, by the way, very it expensive. Is. And it's only done at U of T or in Vancouver or BC, somewhere in BC. Yes, in BC. And I know a lot of pharmacists, remember, I have a YouTube channel. So I have a lot of people who, and my YouTube channel is tailored to that kind of audience. So I have a lot of people who send me messages and say, oh, I failed. And a lot of them do want to be in Ontario. But mm. because of that, they end up going to like Winnipeg, because mm. obviously, if you go to another province you don't have to do that exam right, right? You just do it, rewrite the exam I, I always say depends which country you train I don't yes. think the PBC exams are actually super hard that you can't right. pass it I think it's just the fact that it's very Canadian tailored yes. so there are questions in the PBC exam that are not really about pharmacy it's more about the healthcare system in Canada mm -hmm. but you will know if you don't if you don't if you're not Canadian if you're from right. another country 
So that's where people really struggle is understanding mm. the healthcare system, understanding billing. And there are some questions on that. They, you know, just those maybe sometimes communication, the English language and so on and so forth. So I think it's really sad. And as you said, segregating, if you have to do that course, you're not doing it with other Mm -hmm. Canadian students and it's still a bit isolating isn't it it is <laughs> it is yeah because <laughs> it also makes you feel like you know it's like uh, well and I guess it's also like you know I think it's those early formative years right it's just like a child being um, trained uh, when they yeah. start going to kindergarten I, that's how I see this as like you know the exams in, in pharmacy or any other healthcare field is you know this is our way of trying to build that community around us and this is truly to be honest like it's when you're preparing for these exams and you know doing these course this, this coursework that's when you build that community of friends who yeah. are then going to be your do or die when you start practicing and you're by yourself in the in the yeah. pharmacy wherever that would be like and you're, you're messaging them and like hey listen I got into this issue what do you think I should do right but this yeah. is where you build so I really like that about the UK system and I'm hoping that you know that's something of food uh, feedback um, that we can kind of take back to the tables here and see yeah. if there that's a way of kind of introducing a new experience to international yeah. graduates right to see how can we come together um, you know I'm already thinking like is there is there is there potential for a task force or some sort of a working group to be formed around yeah. international pharmacy graduates and yes. and you know how can we then take their experiences and start to dismantle some of the barriers that they're they're experiencing right and and I, I just feel like I, and again the, the goal is we want to unite the profession together I've always said pharmacy is the reason why we have not moved as fast as we would like to move as a profession yes. is because we are yeah. not united yeah. um, and yeah. and you know we would have been like so far ahead in in our scope of practice by now had we kind of all been more united, united. And, absolutely and 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 this, it's this something is, we don't see a, it's a huge topic this is this in itself is it's such a big discussion point yes nursing they have progressed so much because they always unite yes they always unite they always stand together and this is why they are where they are today exactly. in every country it's the same in the UK because they're they're so united um they always just make so much more progress and as you said I don't think you know in Canada we have different provinces yes and as you said I think you know, this might be an idea for anyone who's watching, you know, you work for any college or any big organization. I think it's an opportunity to team up even with other colleges and see yes. how within Canada we can have that kind of group. It's very welcoming. If I came into Canada and there was like an, a, you know, a subcommittee group that was specifically for, yeah. purposes, you can ask questions, you can like, you know, drop ideas, you can just like ask for like some form of direction. I would feel so welcomed. I would feel comfortable. I would feel just free to be able to just mm -hmm. grow in my profession here um but there isn't that so yes. you know and and that's something that maybe needs to it needs to be a thing we need that absolutely and maybe you know what maybe just maybe it could be a project we can take up <laughs> if yeah, there's no absolutely. appetite otherwise <laughs> <laughs> absolutely I'm always open for projects that progress the profession yes. because I, I you know as I said we work so hard in school and to finish school and not be able to progress our profession mm. and actually push things forward and and get some benefits from that yes I think I think is it would be sad if we can't do that so I think that anything that takes pharmacy forward yes. I'm 100% for it anything that helps other people and myself to grow I'm 100% mm -hmm. for it because um, and, and I think when we stand united and we do things together the public will have more respect for us because Absolutely. right now 
I got a message a few days ago from one of my friends saying, oh, I think they went to a pharmacy to pick up something, a medication. And they were so upset because they had to wait for an hour. Wow. And, and, you know, he said, you know, actually, when I complained to the pharmacist that I was upset, she stopped him and said, actually, don't you dare be upset because this is what I have to do in order to give you your medication. And you know what I said to him? I said, I respect her for saying yes. that. Because at the end of the day, people don't see what we do. People think that we're just like individual business owners and we're not together. So yeah, they can go to Mr. A and say, and that's why people come into pharmacies and say, oh, that pharmacy, they give me that thing for 50% off. Because they don't see pharmacy as united. They just see it as like an individual business. But if we were together, the public would respect pharmacy a lot more. Absolutely. There would be such a change in how we are seen. Um, You know, and, and, and doctors are respected in that sense because, you know, Dr. So-and-so says, oh, actually, this is beyond my scope of practice. I'm going to refer you to that guy over there and he's going to help diagnose what your condition is. And they're always together. Yes. Know, in a sense. And, and Absolutely. I think we need a lot more of that in pharmacy. Absolutely. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much. I think, we, I feel like we can talk on this topic for hours. <laughs> if, if we, if, we, if nobody put a time limit on us, we'd be like talking about this for eons, I think, <laughs> uh, because I think it's something we, we, we share a common passion for too, um, you know, in, in terms of, trying to build a profession that we are all very proud to be a part of. I'm already like, you know, we are both very proud to be pharmacists and have this opportunity to be part of this profession. But obviously at the same time, it's like, how can we create a better profession, which mm-hmm. not only is, is a great profession for everyone to like me to be like, oh my, I want to become a pharmacist, you know, because this is like such a cool profession to be a part of. Um, but it's also like, how can we then contribute to our through the expertise that we have, because right now we're not really tapped in for our expertise per se. It's more the business side of pharmacy that gets tapped into right from time to time. And the whole accessibility and all of that is great. But at the same time, it's like, where's the pharmacist in all of this? Mm -hmm. Right. Um, And um, again, I think it will be a conversation for another time. We'll definitely bring you back on (laughs) (laughs) to have that conversation. And I think uh, we have, we have had some great ideas. So if, there's any leads if anyone's interested please do feel free to reach out and and so that you know we can take this work I know there's a lot of informal groups and stuff that are out there um but I think we do need to have a more formalized dialogue which can lead to some concrete actionable items and I just hope that if there is some appetite we'll definitely work on that if not we'll start something (laughs) (laughs) perfect I love this um and with that obviously I I do want to ask you um you know a question in terms of uh where are you going next with uh with your uh social media with your profession like you know what are some of the things that we can expect from Mary in the near future so um, I definitely want to work on a lot of th- these different points that I've brought up. Um, I'm working on so many different things to see how I can progress the profession, as I've said. Mm-hmm. Um, my YouTube channel will continue to be a place where I, I currently use it to share different journeys mm-hmm. and different people's journeys. So I invite people on and we talk about things and, you know, what they're doing. We pick a topic and we focus a lot on like comfortability mm-hmm. and encouraging pharmacists to push beyond that and, you know, start to see the value that they bring and that they have. And I do the same for my for my Instagram my Instagram pages again it's a fun informative but also like unofficial kind of place to just see what it's like to be a pharmacist um I'm also working on a project for Black History Month um which I'm very 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 passionate about um I think that Canada has a lot of Black pharmacists who a lot of them are isolated they're living in very very small provinces cold somewhere locked in their bedrooms (laughs) just trying to make money and you know working hard to serve their communities and I think that you know we celebrate so many different things you know Mm. in, in Canada in the UK wherever and I think that 
Black History Month should be a time that we also celebrate the work that's been done by Black pharmacists. Absolutely. Um, the challenges they face, because there are so many. This is another topic we've heard so many things about like racism within kind of like the systems that we have that you know the organizations and so on and so forth a lot of it is subtle Mm -hmm. and I think it's time to bring to light those challenges help others learn you know what it is to to be a black person and and, right and and hopefully that can educate people and and kind of limit these subtle like things that are happening discriminative things that that happen Mm -hmm. but aside from that I don't just want to identify and celebrate black pharmacists I also want to bring to the forefront information for my black patients because there are a lot of black patients who suffer in silence Mm -hmm. and I think that um, as somebody who grew up as I'm, a, I'm Nigerian, uh, my background is Nigerian, my parents are African, um, and I think the same goes for like Caribbean and, and right. so on and so forth. And I think there are other couple, couple cultures who also have the mindset that if you have an illness, you don't speak to anyone about it. It's going to go. My grandmother's yes. recipe is going to help me heal. And and a lot of times I think that people are more comfortable when they see that their practitioner is the same color as them. Mm. So, you know, as I said, I work for a mental health institution. And when I see black patients, a lot of them are like, oh my God, my pharmacist is black or my nurse is black. And they feel more comfortable, not because it's a, I don't want to speak to like, but some people do have that mindset of, oh, I don't know the, you know, the doctor, you're higher than me. And and I don't, you know, Mm. things like that. So I want to be able to bring to the forefront the conditions that affect Black people and hope in, in hopes that Black patients see this campaign and they are encouraged to go and speak to their Black pharmacist, even if they don't want to see their doctor yet. Are you having blood pressure issues? Or right. is it How can your Black pharmacist can then refer you to your mm-hmm. doctor or to, a, you know, whoever you need to see? So I, I, um, that's a big campaign I'm working on at the moment, just making sure that Black History Month is a time where we celebrate Black pharmacists, but we also highlight the conditions that affect Black people and hopefully help our communities um, essentially just, you know, seek help, medical help. Oh, that's wonderful. Well, thank you very much for, for doing this one-of-a-kind campaign. Um, you know, I really look forward to it. And I guess I'm just curious, just as the audience would be at this point, is, you know, what can we expect from that campaign? And, and what are your plans for it? And how can we help? <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. So basically, it's just going to be um, through the month of February. February is Black History Month in North America. Um, it's different in the UK. So um, October is Black History Month oh, in, in England. Okay, good. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so, so February, um, we're going to basically just be showcasing videos. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be everything is going to be digital online. And it's just going to be 28 days of videos of you hearing Black pharmacists in Canada share their stories. What are the challenges they've been through? How have they overcome it? What do they enjoy most about their job? What are the different things they want to see in Canada, um, you know, as a Black pharmacist? And, and, And hearing other Black pharmacists share on conditions that their patients face, hypertension, you know, strokes, um, uh, things like sickle cell anemia. It's Mm -hmm. a big, it's particularly specific to, you know, our race. So, you know, how can we as pharmacists help you with those conditions, your system, so symptoms and things like that, especially now as, I mean, it's across Canada, but now in Ontario, we're doing minor ailments. So, you know, there might be patients who come forward with certain symptoms that we can treat or that we can refer. So that's what it's about. It's just going to be videos, um, just basically showcasing the different things, as I've mentioned. Um, it will be all over different social media platforms, so YouTube, LinkedIn, Instagram, um, maybe TikTok, but I don't know if pharmacy is really there yet with TikTok. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, it's just going to be all over social media platforms. So in terms of what 
you and anyone else watching this can do just reshare you know support mm -hmm. you know share with your other networks if you know any other black pharmacists who might feel encouraged just seeing that or black patients or people who are your friends who might just be encouraged seeing that um please just be a part of it and help to just raise awareness because every black history month should be celebrated and we should celebrate black in pharmacy Absolutely, absolutely. And thank you very much for, I know, taking the initiative to to create this opportunity where I know for me as well, like, you know, I can speak this for myself for sure. Like this will be an educational opportunity for me to, you know, understand not only the journeys, but also the challenges and 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 also like, you know, what is it that we can do, um, you know, as as a profession to help help not our, our patients, but also our colleagues, right, um, who are part of this profession. Because um, again, this ties back to how can we create a more united pharmacy? And I think the initiative you've taken upon your yourself I know it's a lot of time effort and resources on your end that you're putting this in but thank you very much for doing this and and you know you'll be having a support in me that's for sure and I'm sure there's a lot of other listeners out there who would also be supporting this campaign just as much and we look forward to that so we'll definitely um you know share any resources that you have um through our channels as well because the more awareness we raise the better um to get this campaign the full justice it deserves so thank you again uh, mary this is this is fantastic <laughs> thank you thank you so much <laughs> yeah not a problem and with that i'm going to wrap up this interview but i cannot let you go before i ask you my question of the podcast uh you know uh obviously it started off with the future of pharmacy and um you know, I see you as somebody who is an innovator and a visionary, and I would love to hear what is it your vision of the future of pharmacy and pharmacists in the next five to 10 years? Uh, and where do you see us going? Um, in the next five to 10 years, I want to see pharmacists in spaces that we have previously been separated or segregated mm -hmm. from. So I want to see pharmacists giving TED Talks. I want to see pharmacists going to big conferences and sharing what we do and how we can support our communities. Um, I, I see that that's going to happen. I know it's going to happen um, where we're able to just really share our medicinal knowledge mm -hmm. um, and not only to, you know, I guess, educate the, the public and the, and the society and communities, but also to inspire other people. Um, pharmacy is becoming, <clears throat> I think when, you know, a lot of people, I mean, if you're like Asian or you're black or whatever, most of your parents will probably tell you to go do pharmacy because of the money, right? <laughs> but I actually want people, I want to be able to inspire young people to come into pharmacy, not just because of the money, but actually because you want to change yes. things in healthcare. I, I am an educated and you are an educated medicinal professional and I want people to really respect us for that. So that's where I see pharmacy going, you know, where we're able to stand in places where other digital um, presidents and CEOs are standing and really, really provide um, knowledge on, and skills, of, you know, the different things that we do. So that's kind of where I see it going. Wow, you have just inspired me to a whole new level. <laughs> and you know what? I wouldn't be surprised if I see you being one of those first ones to take on that. <laughs> we both will be in the same space, 100%. I'm, I already, I always tell people, you know, you, one day you're going to see me giving a TED Talk and I'm not going to be giving it by myself. I'll be giving it with all my other colleagues and friends, you know, sharing our inspirational journeys and our knowledge with with the world i'm looking forward absolutely to absolutely and you know what all the power to you and to anyone um like you know to all of us i guess as a profession because i uh, i think it's it's our time now for the next five to ten years i truly believe in that and and it's always great to have guests who believe in that vision and that future as well it, it just you know something about it just excites me so much <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, and lastly, before I let you go, uh, given your incredible social media journey and, and the presence you've created for yourself on the digital platforms, you know, what is one advice you would wish to give to somebody, a pharmacy professional who wishes to either start in this area or is thinking of this area? What is one advice that you would like to give to them? Um, don't limit yourself um, and really, really step out of your comfort zone. It's very uncomfortable when you are somebody who's trained in one way to mm -hmm. kind of think of other ways, but we all have a level of creativity and just like, like start to live in that and kind of like fall into that creativity. You might not get it right the first couple of times, but just like, you know, be creative, step outside the comfort zone <clears throat> and don't allow the challenges to knock you down. Um, mm -hmm. I, you know, you mentioned I was a YouTube star at the beginning. I don't see myself as that yet, but I'm I'm learning to be consistent and just continue to do uncomfortable things. And it's really, really growing me. So that would be my, um, my advice. Just continue to pursue whatever it is, even if it's just the hobby that you enjoy. If it's singing, doing a podcast, you know, whatever it is, just fall into it and really, really enjoy it and be uncomfortable and be, be okay with being uncomfortable. Oh, that is such wise words. <laughs> it's a motto I live by. It's like, you know, be comfortable with the uncomfortable. And yeah. it, it, it's just, you know, and I think that's where growth really happens. And thank you for reaffirming that, Mary, because, um, you know, and I, seeing your journey and how much you have accomplished, and I'm sure this is only the beginning, the tip of the iceberg, and there's a lot more success that awaits you in the near future. Um, thank you so much yet once again for taking this time for this such a candid and such an honest and inspiring conversation. I truly enjoyed it. And I hope you did too, but, uh, yes, and you yes. definitely inspired me to do so many things. And, and, you know, I, I look forward to joining hands and, and taking on some of the work and, and seeing how we can make our profession more inclusive, more united yes. so that we are proud to be pharmacist. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much. I really appreciate you having me on this channel. Um, and thank you so much for the work you do and being able to put out all this information. I know that it's really helping a lot of us. So thank you so, so much. I really appreciate it. Awesome. Thank you. Well, thank you again, Mary. It uh, means a lot coming from you. And, um, you know, I think the admiration is mutual. So we can thank each other like uh, on an infinite loop or something like that. And we would never end. Uh, but thank you once again. Um, and with that, we will be signing off. Uh, we, I will be linking Mary's information, all her YouTube channels, links, etc. in the description box below. So make sure you check that out. Show support to her channel as well uh, on YouTube and on, on other platforms. It will be all linked below. And please do like, share and sub subscribe this episode because there was a lot that went on here and we want to make sure that more people can get that information that they can you know get in touch with mary if you're ever and having any questions about how to become a canadian trained farm or a canadian licensed pharmacist my bad um to make sure that you reach out to mary because she'll be your go-to person for that okay with that we're signing off thank you for joining us today and i look forward to seeing you next week bye-bye <laughs>